Hello there. Welcome to Series 2 of Satisfied. The Series 2 podcasts relate to the Live Out His Love and Satisfied by His Love Bible studies. I'm Melanie Newton, just an ordinary woman who loves the Lord and His Word. I'm so glad you've joined me for this series of podcasts. Together, we will experience how Jesus satisfies our hearts with many good things that come from the goodness of His love. Today, we will look at one woman's example to see how Jesus satisfies your heart with forgiveness. Her story is in Lesson 2 of Live Out His Love and Lesson 3 of Satisfied by His Love. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus took notice of a woman considered worthless in her town. At least by the religious leaders, she was worthless because she was known to be immoral. You saw that in your lesson. We don't know her name, but I like to call her Emma to make her seem more like a real person, not just words on a page. When I get to heaven, she'll be there. I'll find out her real name then, but for now, she's Emma. Because Emma was held in bondage by her sin, she could not have a proper relationship with the true God. Her need for spiritual life remained unsatisfied. Then Jesus entered her life. He recognized her faith in Him, cleansed her of sin, and gave her a chance for a new life. We have a lot in common with Emma as she washed Jesus' feet with her tears. Many of us carry the guilt of our sins with us like a heavy burden weighing us down. The ongoing reminder of our sins just keeps us from knowing freedom. It keeps us from enjoying the relationship with God that we have by faith in Jesus Christ. Have you experienced that? Like Emma, we don't need just a teacher of truth. We need a Savior who comes in and does for us what we can't do for ourselves. Give us complete forgiveness. You and I need to understand how complete and continual is God's forgiveness of us. And we need to know how to deal with any recognized sin in our lives so that we won't carry that guilt. First, what is sin? Let's define what it is. Sin is any violation of the moral character of God or the law of God. We sin by thinking evil, speaking evil, acting evil, or omitting good. Whether we like this description or not, sin is a rebellion in our hearts against God as our authority. Sin is like an incurable disease that always results in death and separation from God. Our sin separates us from having a relationship with God because He is a holy God. That means He is completely separated from anything that is sinful or evil. There is none of that in Him at all. He is perfect. Holy is who He is. God hates sin. It pollutes His creation. Because God is holy, He takes action against sin to cause its destruction. The Bible calls that God's wrath. He directs His anger against sin to wipe it out. But God's love for people and His mercy towards us led Him to prescribe a substitute to take the punishment for human sin and restore spiritual life. 
At first, it was animal sacrifices. Then Jesus Christ came to offer himself as a sacrifice for sin once for all. The sacrifice paid the death penalty for sin, making it possible for us to receive God's forgiveness. So what is forgiveness? In the Bible, the term forgiveness means to send off or send away. Our sin is transferred to a substitute, Jesus, and taken away. In Old Testament times, people were accepted by God and received eternal life in the same way as we do today, by faith in the merciful grace of God. By faith, they were saved. But to get rid of their sins and be acceptable to God, they had to bring their animal sacrifice to the priest. Their sins were transferred to that sacrifice, taken away from them, and they received forgiveness for their sins up to that point. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus declared forgiveness of sins to a sorrowful, sinful woman without a sacrifice. This shocked the other guests. Jesus did this because of Emma's faith in the merciful grace of God. And Jesus knew his forthcoming sacrifice would cover all of Emma's sins. God promised his people that one day forgiveness would no longer be a temporary solution, but be complete and permanent. That happened on the cross through Jesus. Paul declared this truth in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, two of my favorite verses that are etched in my soul. As you listen, let them go deep into yours too. When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Once you place your faith in Jesus Christ, whatever you have done that was wrong in God's eyes from the time you were born through the time of your death has been canceled, taken away. All of it, past, present, and future, nailed to the cross. It's even better than that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 tells us that God is no longer counting people's sins against them. Since your sins have been taken away, God is no longer counting them against you. Just like Emma in our lesson today, you are forgiven based on your faith alone. Sins are applied to Jesus who takes them on your behalf. Once you have trusted in Jesus, Ephesians 1 says that forgiveness is something we possess as believers. We receive God's forgiveness for all our sins, past, present, and future, from the moment we place our faith in Jesus Christ. That is very important for you to know. Forgiveness is complete and continual. But... Knowing that does not give us permission to intentionally sin. Intentional sin does not fit with who you are as a forgiven Christian with a new life to enjoy. It doesn't fit with who I am as a forgiven Christian with a new life to enjoy. As long as we live in these earthly bodies, though, we will be tempted to sin. Sin will happen, whether intentionally or unintentionally. 
So as an already forgiven Christian, you might ask, how do I deal with sin when I recognize it in my life? Great question. Here's the biblical process for dealing with recognized sin in your life as a Christian. Step one, view yourself rightly. Your identity is not whatever that sin is, coveting, greedy, gossiper, whatever. You are in Christ, a child of God who sometimes covets, is greedy, gossips, or whatever it is. Step two, recognize, that is, confess the truth regarding your sin. To confess biblically means to agree with God about what you and He both know to be true. Confession is not a formula or a process. It is not dependent on a mediator. It is not just saying, I'm sorry. It is saying, I agree with you, God. I blew it. You see your sin is something awful. Let's use sexual immorality as an example, since that is the context of our lesson. While reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Spirit of God inside you convicts you that sexual immorality in any form is not pleasing to God. The Bible instructs you to flee it or avoid it. You recognize this sin in your life. You agree with God that your immoral sexual behavior is seeking love and acceptance from the wrong source, and it doesn't fit someone who knows God. That is confession. Step three, confession is incomplete without repentance. Repentance means to change your mind about that sin, to turn away from it, and to mourn its ugliness. This results in changing your actions. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 that godly sorrow brings repentance. Like Emma in Luke 7, it's saying, I recognize what I am doing is wrong. This fills me with sorrow because it hurts you, God. Please help me to live differently. That's how our lives get transformed. For sexual immorality, you want to live in order to please God, and God wants you to flee from sexual immorality. So you pray, Lord Jesus, please have your spirit nudge me when I am not holy and honorable with my body. Help me to say no to temptation and to give up any relationship that is not honorable to you. By faith, Lord, I want you to do that in my life. That is repentance. Repentance requires that you change something. You can confess until the cows come home every single day and never change anything. Jesus called for people to repent, not confess. Step four, repentance leads to dependence. Depend on the living Christ inside you for that change to take place. Our Lord Jesus Christ is not interested in our compliance or outward conformity as much as He desires our obedience from the heart. Dependence on God leads to obedience to God.
for sexual immorality, memorize 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, and any other scriptures that deal with staying pure and not rejecting God's instructions. Be sensitive to the Spirit's nudging when you are tempted to do otherwise. Choose to live a life that pleases God. Dear listener, our God created us with a spiritual thirst for a relationship with Him. Another human cannot satisfy that thirst. Only God can satisfy the thirsty heart. The complete and continual forgiveness we receive by faith in Jesus satisfies our thirst for love and acceptance. This forgiveness is what motivates us to live a life that pleases God. As the Bible promises in Psalm 107, He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. What kind of guilt are you carrying right now? Trust in Jesus to satisfy your heart with forgiveness through the goodness of His love. Then live out that love. Until next time, I'm Melanie Newton, hoping you will join me in being satisfied by His love.